The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining. 8765-4321. I did it. Count it backwards from eight. No mistakes. Let's go. We're back for another episode of The Unlikely Innovators. Uh, Steve and I had the, the great fortune today of being joined by uh, Gabrielle Roy of Stitch and Stone. It was a really exciting conversation. I think, you know, over the past episodes that we've released so far, you know, once we've started to have guests on, you know, Steve and I have highlighted, you know, folks from the public sector, uh, from our funders that we work with, such as NSERC. Uh, but I think a big part of the innovation ecosystem here in Sudbury and any innovation ecosystem for that matter are the entrepreneurs uh, within that space. And so I think, you know, Gabrielle is, is a is, is, a, is a great entrepreneur here in Sudbury, uh, you know, and she has, I think, what we term an unlikely story just from her journey that you'll hear about. I don't want to take, uh, say too much of the, about that right now, because obviously you want to let that kind of... Uh, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. So, um, you know, Gabrielle is somebody who you and I both know quite well, just in terms of, uh, you know, our wives, I think, are, <laughs> are, are, are patrons of Stitch and Stone. Uh, her voice is one that I hear often in my house, uh, when my wife is scrolling through her Instagram stories. Uh, so it was great to actually put a face to that name and to that voice and, and talk to ourselves. Uh, you know, what were your takeaways from, from talking to Gabrielle today and, you know, her journey to setting up, you know, the, the popular Stitch and Stone store here in Sudbury on the Kingsway? Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, uh, a bit lighter. My, my wife didn't have the confidence to wear hats before uh, she was introduced to Stitch and Stone. And now she has, gosh, five, six lovely hats that she wears on occasion. So um she's really like both of our wives are huge fans of, of stitch and stone and you know I've, I've even bought some products there for myself in the past but uh gabrielle is the real deal when it comes to um to entrepreneurs like her story that she'll talk about uh, in this in this episode um frankly having talked to a number of entrepreneurs in my day is is fairly uh typical they have unlikely ways of getting to where they are but they they come from sort of truth you know she she sort of goes into it that she identified a problem or a gap mm-hmm. and that's why successful businesses are the way they are because they really serve a a niche or a gap that they've identified in the market and i think uh her story is just an excellent one that sort of illustrates that you can come from any background and as long as you're true to those sort of core values that you've validated in the market uh, you have a you stand a good chance of being successful, and she has because she's stayed true to those core values of being genuine and of being uh, authentic. So mm-hmm. I think she comes off that way in the pod too. She's she's super authentic, and I think that's what served her well. Yeah, we had a lot of fun chatting with her, and so I can't we can't wait for you guys to hear that. But I think one of the things you know that she talked about, and we kind of you know, primed her for this question. We, you know, we described her as an unlikely entrepreneur, you know, given the fact that her career had started off, you know, in physical fitness and leisure management. But it's funny when you hear her tell her story, after I heard her kind of talk about it, maybe it's not as unlikely as I think we kind of painted it out to be because she talked about having, you know, this foundational moment, mm-hmm. you know, when she was a teenager living in Capus Casing, working in, the, in a retail store called The Dugout. And so like, when you think back, you know, it probably wasn't that unlikely for her to get into retail because, you know, as a 14 year old, she had that experience already. And she already started to think about this is something that she wanted to do. Ultimately, that's not where her, you know, her, her education and her initial career went to, but she ended up arriving there. So I think, you know, when you kind of take a look at her life going back, you know, maybe it wasn't that unlikely. Um, and so yeah. I think we all have those foundational moments where, 
you know, at the time, maybe they don't make sense or they're, you don't arrive at that point, you know, at that, at that juncture of your life, but maybe you do eventually. And it all kind of clicks to say, you know what, actually, this makes perfect sense that I wound up in the role that I am in. Yeah. And I think it's like unlikely predestined. Right. And I think that's, you know, from what, what I've learned talking to her, she sort of knew this was going to happen. The cards just had to, you know, far, fall where they did in order for that to happen. So, um, I think everyone's going to really enjoy this episode. I think it's uh, it's a good instructive moment for all those entrepreneurs that are scared to take the plunge that, uh, you know, you, you can be a success uh, as long as you have a, a good idea that is validated and that you're true to that sort of core idea that people uh, resonate with. I agree. Couldn't say it better. And I think rather than hearing you and I continue to talk further, let's just go right to our esteemed guest. We're so happy to be joined this week uh, by Gabrielle Roy, who is the founder and CEO of Stitch and Stone, um, which is a modern fashion boutique located here in Sudbury. I'm going to just read your quite beautiful uh, written bio that you provided because I think it's such an interesting story and, okay. and really uh, eloquent. Um, so Gabrielle was born and raised in Kapuskasing. Her entrepreneurial spirit began at a young age of 13 when she landed her dream job working at a sports retail store called The Dugout. Um, she knew from that moment uh, that one day she'd own her own store. Gabrielle eventually moved to Sudbury to pursue an education in physical fitness and leisure management. She was very lucky to land a full-time position at our local hospital. She worked in a few rehab clinics, and in the meantime, she was also managing her husband's business, which was an indoor golf center and bar. Uh, that's very typical of a lot of entrepreneurs. You need to be super busy to be an entrepreneur. So yeah. you, you got that right, right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, after working a lot of long hours and almost always having two full-time jobs, again, another hallmark of an entrepreneur, yeah. it, was, it was time that Gabrielle finally uh, put herself first to do what she really felt she was destined to do. She took the plunge and opened her first store and it was a dream come true. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast, Gabrielle. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So one of the things, uh, you know, Steve had kind of alluded to it in your bio, and, and again, I should reference this for our listeners, that I, uh, I had the, the, the good fortune of listening to you give a convocation address at uh, Cambrian graduation probably a few weeks back. And I didn't know your backstory about, you know, how you started off, you know, in, in physical fitness and leisure management and, and how you went on to pursue your dream. And I remember leaving that conversation feeling pretty inspired and thinking to myself, like, man, I, sh I should quit my job and follow my dreams. But of course, I love my job at Cambrian. Don't if do I, that. No, no. And, and of course, if I quit my job at Cambrian, then I wouldn't be able to do this podcast anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, because, you know, our podcast is called The Unlikely Innovators, you know, and, and the theme of that is how colleges are often seen you know, as unlikely destinations for innovation. Steve and I had unlikely career paths to be working in the innovation space. And in some respects, like, you know, you might look back in, in, in at your career path and say that you maybe have been an unlikely entrepreneur given how your career started. But obviously we know hearing your bio that it was always something you wanted to have and to aspire to. But, but can you talk a little bit further about how you went from starting a career in physical fitness and leisure management to opening your own retail store and, and making your, your dreams come to life? Yeah, it, it was definitely been quite the journey. And I know it, it's definitely, uh, you know, I always call it when, when I do these types of things, I always say, you know, I had a winding road and a lot mm -hmm. of people have a really nice straight 
path. Like if you're at the golf course and hit a nice drive right down the middle, you know, it's nice and straight. <laughs> mine, mine went in the bush and then in the sand, you know, in the, in the sand trap and then all over the place. So my path has been a little bit more windy, you know, to figure out, you know, to, to get to where I am. But, um, you know, everything kind of led me, they were all, you know, really important milestones. And I don't think I would have got to where I am today without taking all of the, you know, all of that, that little messy path, it got me here, you know, and I learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, but I started in, when I was younger, and coming from campus facing, I was quite a tomboy, <laughs> I was very athletic, and I played, you know, all the sports and, and all that kind of stuff. And I had a buzz cut with a rat tail. And I always tell people, if you can come <laughs> out of you know, have a bus go with a rat tail and start a fashion store, you know, I can do I can start a fashion um, store, then you can do anything. So but, um, you know, I started in physical fitness and leisure management, um, because I was very athletic. And I like the business side of it, it had a business component to it. And also a lot of sporty stuff. So truthfully, when I started college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, but it seemed like a program that interested me my I was gearing towards going into physiotherapy that was kind of my dream at that point um and I uh I I came to Cambridge because I had an athletic scholarship because I played badminton <laughs> at wow. the time so I was very sporty and um you know so my path was very unlikely I, I had other plans uh but my roots being in campus facing when I worked at the dugout um you know, working in that retail store. I loved that job. That was my favorite job I've ever had, you know, as a kid growing up, I loved working. I just loved working in the, you know, um, building relationships with the customers. And, um, you know, my boss was always gone. My boss was never there. So when I was 14, 15, she was like, can you run the store for the summer? I'm going to be gone. So at a really young age, I was like, uh okay you know so I worked full-time I ran the store and I really she, she kind of just threw me in there and you know like a lot of entrepreneurs that's kind of how it all happens you kind of just figure it out as you go so I had a little bit of those kind of little grassroots that had mm -hmm. you know kind of sparked that I loved my boss I was so inspired by her she was an athlete and she was a woman and back then like not a lot of women owned especially athletic stores so I was really inspired mm -hmm. by her um so I always kind of had that in the back of my head as you know although I really wanted to be a physiotherapist and that didn't work out um I was always really inspired by my first boss and I knew one day I was like I'm gonna have my own business I want to own my own store I didn't really know what that was gonna look like but that's kind of where it all kind of stemmed from I think yeah no that's really interesting i think there's one gap left in my thinking so how do you go from badminton jock to <laughs> sort of haute, haute couture trends oh, not haute couture at all <laughs> uh, no no we're a very casual store but you know what yeah. the funny thing is is i was just a very weird kid like i was very very athletic i had a buzz cut with a rat tail i wore neon jumpsuits this was yeah, like yeah. the 80s 90s and i mean i used to sew and i was very very oh. um artistic and crafty right. so I used to like make pants and sew them in high school. I did all kinds of weird, very weird things. I always really had like a really eclectic and weird style. Um, you know, just a little different that nobody else had, I think. And so really, I just kind of combined those, all of those little elements from who I was and created kind of my dream job. <laughs> yeah. And I should say that uh, 
Mike and I are both very familiar with your store because I think both of our uh, both of our houses are often littered with the beautiful stitch and stone bags because our our wives are uh, are pretty uh, pretty pretty well no but pretty avid uh, customers of yours and I know my wife uh, for example said that if she ever won the lottery she'd quit her job and work at stitch and stone for free love that that'd be so fun (laughs) yeah yeah so she's probably fangirling here somewhere I told her you're going to be on the pod and uh, and she was super uh, uh, stoked about that um it'll it'll be the first time that our wives listen to our podcast we appreciate that but but the, the, the one thing I wanted to say before Steve jumps in with his questions I just wanted to confirm with everybody that I too once had a rat tail um with a buzz cut but I think I think my most, uh, yeah, but, but I think my, actually what was worse than the rat tail look, there was, I had one look um, probably in grade three or four where I had a buzz cut, but I had bangs oh, and, nice. I was, wow. and I used to spike the bangs up. So that Ooh, was, yes. that that's was very Euro. Moment. That's very European. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> so we're not all, we're not all style icons. Uh, yeah, in early no. Days. no. Um, so I guess one thing that, uh, you know, we kind of noticed is like Stitch and Stone came came to prominence sort of overnight. You know, in the in business terms, uh, like we, I, one question we had was like Stitch and Stone grew quickly, going from a pop up pop up location to sort of where you were at your anchor location downtown, and now where you mm-hmm. are, you know, mm-hmm. in, in just over you know a year with you know ten ten employees. How mm-hmm. did you manage that kind of growth? Because you know, when you set out to do these things, you don't say I'm going to have two locations. Yeah. And then we're going to grow that rapidly. How did you manage that yeah. process? Oh, I don't know. It was a lot of, you know, not sleeping and winging it, if you want to call it. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, we did grow much quicker than I had ever anticipated. Um, you know, and I think when you go in business, you don't really, I mean, you hope that that's going to happen, but you don't really see it happening that quickly. We're really, really fortunate. I think that, you know, luckily, you know, our idea, you know, hit, was ahead and, um, and people really enjoyed our store. So yeah, I just, you know, my biggest fear, and I don't know, I might probably heard my speech, but the biggest thing, you know, I had been in business before this business, you know, I've done multiple different things before this, which I won't get into, but one of our businesses was very difficult financially. It was a seasonal business. So like I, we had been in debt before and like, you know, you're just str- working so hard to try and pay off the debt. And it was very, very stressful. So when I opened this business, I was terrified like I was you know my biggest fear is like I I don't want to go in debt I don't want to you know I I was going to try it and dabble in it so I only grew my you know I only grew within my means if you want to call it so Mm -hmm. I started really really small uh at a location downtown I think it was like 800 square feet or something and you know I started there and and I was really lucky the landlord was like I'll let you do month to month because I wasn't signing a lease. I was too scared. And so I said, I'll do month to month. And like, if it doesn't work out, whatever, I sell my, I'll put a sale on and sell it. But (laughs) I only bought as much inventory as I could afford. So I had X amount of dollars in the bank. I filled up the store and I was like, okay, if I sell it, I'll buy more, you know? And that's, that's just what we did. So I, as I grew and I could afford more things and bigger things, you know, my goal is to go into business and not go into debt. I never, I didn't want to take out a loan. I didn't want to have to borrow money. And so, you know, that's kind of like financially how I managed it. And the other part really like as much as I took little business courses in college, nobody prepares you for, for real world business. I think you really have to live through it and, you know, really experience all the ups and downs and 
learn from all your mistakes, but it was just a lot of hard work. And, um, you know, truthfully, I think I worked 16 to 18 hours a day for the first two years, you know, just getting everything done on my own, you know, and I was scared to have too many people working and, and all the expenses that come with that. So I did most of it on my own, just trying to figure it all out. So I don't know. That's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you definitely tapped into a niche that was either underserved or not served at all. Yeah. There was definitely something missing here in Sudbury, and that's why I did it. Especially in the north, I find because you know Mm -hmm. I've traveled around and been to so many cities where there's so many cool places and different things. I'm like, why can't we have anything like this up north? You know, we have the mall and we have all those big corporate places, but I found we were really lacking in like this the experience part of shopping. You know, and that's what I wanted to create. So. You know, and you'd mentioned, you know, going through the ups and downs of business. And certainly I don't think, you know, this is certainly an up and down, but something that I think a lot of us wouldn't have predicted 16 months ago that we'd be living through, you know, this pandemic. And obviously you had to adjust and adapt to respond to that. So, you know, what was it like for you in the business transitioning, you know, from brick and mortar to online, you know, during much of the pandemic? Um, yeah, that came as a, that was a real shocker. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nobody saw that coming. eh? So yeah, it was, the beginning the first time it hit I thought I was going to lose everything I thought this is it we're done <laughs> like I don't know but you know I think you know if you're an entrepreneur and you have the entrepreneurial spirit then you know it's either sink or swim you have an option and I was like I'm gonna paddle until I get out of this thing you know so we really um we were really lucky we had built a, a platform on social media prior to the pandemic and we had we already had an online presence before the pandemic. So we were really, really lucky that way and that we were already set up. Um, But I think it was just, um, I really focused on social media. That was our biggest thing was everybody was on their phone. Everybody is, you know, has nothing else to focus on, but Mm -hmm. social media really. So I really, really took advantage of that. And um, we were, I mean, your wives will probably know I do stories every day, like three times a day. And, you know, I think it was just really important to, uh, it was my, it was really our time. It was a silver lining for us. Really. Um, we gained so many new customers and it was really our time to shine if you want to call it. And if you want to say it that way, but, um, uh, it was a chance for us to really put our brand out there while everybody was listening, you know, and Mm -hmm. thankfully people really liked what we were doing and, we were able to gain a lot of traffic that way online. So social media was really our friend there. We did a lot of like, you know, Google ads and that kind of stuff. We really, really tried to focus online and just put ourselves out there on the online world while people were listening to us. So, yeah, I was going to say, I I don't want to sound, I don't want to sound weird or anything, but your voice is definitely a familiar voice in my household because (laughs) when, uh, when my wife and I are scrolling on our respective phones and she's going through her stories, like I I hear you describing what's new and exciting at at Stitch and Stone. So (laughs) it's definitely worked for you guys. You've done a great job throughout uh, the pandemic. I think leveraging that to your advantage. Thanks. And I think I want to pick up on that because one thing I'm struck by is that you have this sort of rustic, eclectic, bohemian feel to, to the stores. Uh-huh. and you've had to integrate technology more over like digital media you know yeah. e-stores those kinds of things how do you keep that fresh sort of that mix of innovation and being true to you know the aesthetic that you set out what's that mix and how do you keep it fresh like like online respectively do you mean well it, or whichever, just in general in store, with the as we're opening as well, we're opening up 
Yeah. Sure. So the store, the, <laughs> the funny thing is with the stores we've opened, I don't even, we've reopened like five times in the yeah. last, I don't know how many. And the crazy thing is I was telling me there's so much pressure every time we open because it's every time we open, we have to be better than last time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like you're reopening again. And you know, I'm always scared. Every time we'd reopen, I was terrified. I was like, are people going to come back? Like, you know, but it's just really, it's very fearful, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we would work our buns off to, you know, flip the store and whatever, change the store around. My biggest thing with the store is I like every day I change the store around and make my staff change the store. So every time, because we had customers who come in multiple times a week. So we move everything around to make it look new every week. And, you know, if something was there last week, it's now at a different spot. It looks new again. So we work really hard at keeping the store fresh that way. Um, online, you know, online's a lot harder, I have to say, because you have to work harder to get that experience across through a screen. And that's what we're all about. You know, for me, experience comes first. And then the, the, the selling is a byproduct of that. So to try and get that through, through a screen is harder but that's something I really try to do you know is just be really authentic and um you know I don't know how to explain it but just be a real person I think that's what's really <laughs> yeah, missing yeah. in social media you know it's all this yes. really like Botox yes. fake kind <laughs> of stuff I don't know whatever people are doing these days but you know I just try to like my store is geared towards real people like me just normal average normal people so mm-hmm. we just try to be normal and real and uh, relatable you know that's the biggest thing I think people want to see in today's really yeah souped yeah. up Botox world <laughs> yeah yeah I was gonna you know you already touched on social media so I won't ask you a question about that but one of the things I did think about because you know you alluded to how you know you you felt as though something was missing you know in Sudbury Northern Ontario and I think you've done a great job at filling that void but I think the nice thing or the not the nice thing but I think the great thing about social media is that it kind of has the ability to break down boundaries. So you're able to reach an audience in a market outside yeah. of Sudbury, Northern Ontario. Have you yeah. found that, you know, especially over the last 16 months, as you guys have really expanded your presence on social media, that you have more of a, an, a following outside of, of Sudbury and Northern Ontario? Yeah, we've really like become a Canadian household brand, which has been really cool. Um, so I think that's been the most fun, you know, is really like, you know, we send out about 150 orders a day and now it's about it's through it's to bc and nova scotia and like people on social media media reaching out or sending us pictures and like i'm from here or all (laughs) over canada i think that is so fun and so cool and like i said the silver lining for the pandemic was really you know us being able to spread our wings throughout canada organically it would have cost us a fortune in in google ads and social media ads to try and get that reach organically without a pandemic and you know for us it, that was a gift for us really, you know, to be able to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Gave I us guess, a wider uh, audience. For sure. Whether it's Nova Scotia or uh, BC, everyone needs some Northern Smitten sometimes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just mentioned those because my wife bought me some for Christmas and they Aww. were some of the, they were some of the most, uh, uh, they're dead now because my dog yeah. chewed through one of them, oh, but no. uh, they were some of the most lovely, uh, you know, they like that homemade feel. They're the you know, best. That, they're just unreal. Um, yeah. So uh, one of the things, like you had a, a non-typical path to starting this. Um, and given that non-typical path, how would you advise someone who is uh, 
got a buzz cut and a rat tail and are in <laughs> in second year uh, or whatever wherever they may come from yeah. how would you how would you tell them like uh, a few pieces of advice on how to do yeah. this yeah um I think like my biggest piece of advice from what I've learned um in you know doing all these different things for me and what's worked for me is really um you know, being authentic and true to yourself and doing, you know, if you're starting a business, I know, I know it's got to work and you have to be, you know, um, you have to be starting a business because you're solving a problem. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, and that was a combination of why I started my business. But I also started because I was passionate about it. Um, it was a really a true reflection of myself. And I think that's really important. Um, because if you're going and, you know, some people make it big and they're in business and it's just for money and that's great, mm -hmm. but it doesn't always work that way. And so I think you have to have a real true love for what you're doing and it has to be um, really authentic um, because, you know, being in business is very rewarding, but it also comes with a lot of stress and a lot of long hours. So if you're not in love with what you're doing or it's not authentic, um, you're not you're going to quit you know you're not the, all those long hours aren't going to be worth it unless you're truly truly in love with it so I think you just got to be you know stay true to yourself and do what's right in your heart so yeah and I think, I think like that's that's incredible because like you can draw a line I think having been in the store a few times to buy gift cards and uh, to, be, <laughs> uh, to hold purses sometimes <laughs> but uh, um, I uh, I think you can draw a line between that sort of core value and just the experience you, you kept saying things about the experience of the store I think yeah it's so genuine and it's so uh like non-manufactured when you go there oh, that I think that, well I just think that uh it's just that's an exactly example my of, goal you know so yeah like you're living your own advice because like I think you can draw that line at least in the experiences I've had with the store and then that's transferred online onto your Instagram uh, so I think that's, you know, being, you, you have been true to that. And I think that's uh, something admirable and probably a, a big reason for your success so far. So thank, thank well, and thank you for sharing those words with us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's a great way to kind of, uh, to kind of wrap things up. I think, you know, we wanted to thank you again for, for joining us today, uh, to Gabrielle and the unlikely innovators before we let you go though, you obviously want to plug, uh, you know, Stitch and Stone. Where can our listeners find you on social media? And, and, and maybe we'll put the website in the show notes. But if you wanted to kind of give sure. a quick plug, happy to support. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're located here in Sudbury. We have a store up on the Kingsway, uh, Riverside Twigs at 1332 uh, the Kingsway. And you can find us on social media on Instagram at Stitch and Stone and as well on Facebook. So that's where you can find us. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. And it looks like we have a good day for weather and you're already enjoying it. Uh, our listeners oh, won't I'm be able to see that. Oh, I'm hiding for my kids. It's the only quiet spot I got. I'm like, <laughs> where can I go? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, eh? You, you run the risk when you escape outside uh, in Sudbury, like that it may yeah. be an or, or like an or truck will pass or something like that. I know. Yeah. But, uh, but you seem to have found a, a quiet, nice looking space. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a real pleasure. So. Oh, pleasure's all ours. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank so you. Take hey, care. Take care. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. What a lovely guest that was. We just spoke with Gabrielle Roy, um, founder and CEO of Stitch and Stone here in Sudbury. A fantastic uh, modern eclectic boutique um, 
what a great story. I think we said at the outset that this was going to be uh, an instructive sort of uh, telling of an unlikely way of becoming an innovator and an entrepreneur. And I, I think it definitely delivered on that. Uh, a lot to take from, from, that, uh, from that interview. Yeah, I think we could have uh, we could have extended that conversation significantly, um, but ultimately we wanted to be respectful of her time, knowing that you know she's got a lot of things on the go. Um, but yeah, it was such a treat to talk to her, and I think um, you know anyone who's listening to our show is probably probably hopefully familiar with Sitchin Stone. Um, again, if for our Sudbury listeners, I think it's kind of a hallmark of the city now. And again, you know, as Gabrielle alluded to, you know, I think over the course of the pandemic, they've really extended their reach on social media. So you know, it was it was awesome to hear her talk about how you know, they've gone from like a household brand in Sudbury to now a Canadian mm-hmm. brand, right? And we've got people in, in British Columbia, Nova Scotia, you know, wearing items from the Stitch and Stone store and sharing that on their social media feeds that, you know, they're, they're patrons of the store. So it's, it's great to see that happen. Um, and yeah, no, I just couldn't thank her enough for joining us on the show. Um, you know, again, yeah, she so, indulged us that we had some good laughs. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's when, you know, it's, it's, it's getting nice and comfortable and we're getting uh, some really interesting tidbits from our guest uh, when we're laughing most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, anyone who's listened to this who who can and who is able to just go up to Stitch and Stone, get a coffee at Twigs, quick plug to Twigs, and then just go experience the store because um, I think you won't be disappointed. Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll say is that, uh, you know, I have, you know, talked about this plan to you know, to you and the rest of the team here at Cambrian R&D and my wife, that my goal is that this long hair will eventually <laughs> go away. And as a, as a going away party, I was going to cut it into a mullet, um, you know, to get some hockey hair from when my hockey book comes up. But after talking to Gabrielle, I think maybe the rat tail, I'm ready to, maybe it's time for a comeback. It what deserves a comeback. <laughs> and I think, I, I can't think of any better uh, ambassador to usher it back to public consciousness than you. I, I don't I don't think my wife could get out the scissors fast enough to cut that off the back <laughs> of my head if I walk through the house with a rat tail. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I guess uh, there's no other, you know, I, I don't think we can top that. So I think I that's, guess it that's it for this it. week. I think I guess we're it's done. It. Okay. <laughs> that's our send-off. We're, that's, that's our Dan Rather. That's our uh, Peter Jennings. It's just, we're done. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll see, see you next week. next time. The Unlikely Innovators with Mike Comito and Steve Gravel. Presented by Cambrian R&D and the Center for Smart Mining.